Global Broadcasting Networks presents Military Mom Talk Radio. We know behind every soldier, sailor, airman, and marine is the family supporting them. With over 200 episodes in 17 countries, over five seasons, with three million monthly listeners, we are Radio Strong. Now, here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. Hey ladies, this is Sandra Beck and I'm here with Mary Ottman and we are talking today about how to survive the holidays. And you know, the holidays really, you know, they can be just about anything, Mary. They could be, you know, the traditional ones we think of Halloween and and Thanksgiving and Christmas or um, they could also be birthdays or celebrations for whatever the family decides is important to them. And I think when we get into these holiday seasons and you have blended families, step families, single families, uh, separated families. I mean, now we also have multi-generational families, like in my household where we have, uh, you know, we go from age eight to 80 and all of this adds to the holiday chaos. And what I'd like to open with first is the power of saying no, because I don't think I learned how to say no until I was 40. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's when we stop caring what other people think and start actually respecting our own energy levels and and our own boundaries right (laughs) well I love that you said that energy level because you know some days I have the energy of a 10 year old and some days I have the energy of a hundred year old and you know it was more consistent when I was younger but it was easier when I was younger I didn't have kids hanging off me I didn't have you know my my parents were taking care of me not the other way around and so you know it's a whole different ball game and somewhere along the line I don't know if it was culture or training or you know religious choice somewhere I got the idea that saying no meant I was being selfish or saying no was somehow a bad word. You know, I think that's a pretty common thing for women, too, is, um, you know, we've got that nurturing maternal instinct in us that wants to take care of people. And, you know, we kind of, um, in in a lot of families, uh, we see ourselves in that role and nobody else really steps up to do that. I mean, it can be as simple as, we're the ones that take care of taking all the photos in the family, right? And we're never in them because we're always the one behind the camera, right? I mean, all the way to the holidays and everything else. So, and usually on holidays, you're actually taking pictures. So that's a problem. Unless, but these days you can photobomb your teenager selfies, right? That's about the only way we get in pictures. But um, (laughs) (laughs) I totally agree. I think, you know, there's been a lot more discussion about, women kind of owning their, their, their right to, to have those boundaries. And, and frankly, a lot of times we have to justify it to ourselves to say, you know, the, the example of like on an airplane, like put your own mask on first so you can then take care of your kids, you know? And so uh, absolutely, if you say no and take care of yourself and your own energy levels, you can be that much more, you know, energetic and excited for the holidays and, and really pour into the lives of others. If you have respected your own temple, your own body, your own energy. 
Well, you know, it's so funny that you brought up that airplane thing because, you know, my kids were sitting there um, when we were flying home recently. I was home in, in um, outside of Buffalo in this little lake community called Canandaigua, where I'm from. Oh. And we got on the airplane. We're flying and the flight attendant comes over and she's like, OK, you need to put their masks on first. And I said, can I just let them suffocate? And it, <laughs> oh, no. Because the kids were just rolling their eyes like, oh, like, mom, you don't have to, you know, or just let them die. And, you know, and it was so funny, but it was true because here is my son. He is six foot one, Mary, now, and he's only wow. 15. But if anybody's going to fix or pull that mask down when it doesn't come out, it's going to be him, not me. But the perception is that, you know, I'm supposed to help this you know, 14-year-old and 11-year-old boys, you know, it wasn't like they were toddlers, but it, it kind of hit home to me, like, what am I really responsible for on the holidays? You know, like, what am I really, you know, like, I am responsible for my children, I get that, but it's a very different responsibility when they're 11 and 14 than when they're two and four. That is so true. <clears throat> I think, you know, I, I actually would frame that a little differently because when I when I hear the words, what am I responsible for? It sounds like a burden. It sounds like um, a load is going to be on me. Right. I, I like to frame it as what what uh, we talked about this on the last part. What experience do I want to provide? What do I want my kids to say after this? Halloween, Thanksgiving, birthday, what feeling do I want them to walk away with? And then, and then I can create that. And then it comes from a spirit of creating instead of, oh my gosh, I'm the mom. What, you know, what's, what, what do I have to do? And then the rest is just great. You know, it's just, it's all in mindset, I think. Right. And how we well, approach well, that in the languaging, you know, like the languaging, you know, like you bring up a really good point because it's like, hmm, what am I responsible for or what do I want to create? Yeah. And that kind of works with with the word no, too. Like I have a real hard time just saying, no, I can't do that. Um, I will say I'm sorry that won't work for me or, you know, I really can't right now. I don't know why I have such a issue with those two little words. And I, I really didn't say um like know a lot to my kids. I, I would always use words that, that didn't seem as abrupt or hurtful. And I mean, now I, I've like got that deep seated issue with the word no. And, but I like that languaging of like, you know, what am I responsible for versus what experience do I want to give my kids? What do I want? What do I want from today? Do I want hagged out, you know, exhausted mom who can't yeah. even enjoy the turkey? Or do I want to be, you know, so frustrated by the time Halloween runs around, you know, with these Halloween costumes? Exactly. And, you know, you brought in the blended and step families and, and you know, d divorce families, right? So, you know, I, after I got divorced um, in 2013, you know, there I am in my, you know, I, what was it? Three bedroom, two bath condo. And, you know, just mentally just shot from the whole experience. And I thought, how much decorating am I going to do? Because, because at this point, it's really just for me. Because the kids aren't there as much. And, and when they get older, they don't care. You know, I, in my experience, my daughter, she, she never says one way or another, right? But, 
you know, one year I didn't even put a tree up. Now I felt bad about that. I put, <laughs> I put like, you know, those, um, garlands. I put one of those over the door. I was like, there you go. There's your tree. I'm putting the present presents under that. Some, some years, if you're going through a lot of stuff, that's all the energy you can muster. The thought of going up in the attic and dragging down a bunch of boxes and then a week later putting everything back in there and dragging them back up the stairs, it's too much, right? And I think that's just, go. if you go easy on yourself, I will say when I look back at the picture of that garland, I feel bad. It makes me feel very guilty. That one does. And I wish I had done more. But, um, for example, you know, for military families where you're moving and, and people are traveling a lot, I moved into an apartment on December 15th, went TDY to Fort Hood the very next day with all my stuff still in boxes and was gone for a week. And so I'm like, Christmas is literally just a few days away. I'm not going to decorate. You know, I've got chaos. I just went to Kroger and bought a two foot tall Christmas tree and the little mini lights. And that was our tree that year. I mean, you just... You can't do it all, and, and, you know, you can't beat yourself up. Life happens, you know, and you just have to – we were talking about flexibility, and I think our, we are our own worst enemies, right? We beat ourselves up harder than anybody else. My daughter has not said one word to me, A, about the garland. She didn't care, and B, didn't care about the little the little baby tree that I – the little uh, – I call it the, the Charlie Brown tree. Yeah, the Charlie Brown tree. <laughs> the little bitty tree. <laughs> She doesn't care, you know, and, and maybe some kids do, um, and you just you just flex and, and do what you need to do, but she didn't care, and frankly, I was so exhausted, there wasn't really anything I could do about it, so those years, I merely made a point to go out, take her out, look at other people's lights, and, and get around, you know, go, go to the mall where they have the elaborate, so she got the Christmas experience, she just didn't get much of it at my house. Like, you know, but and that's okay because you know, when I was growing up, we had lots of kids, and my mom and my dad, and my mom was a homemaker, so she could do a lot of those things. And then, like, I remember my brothers dragging in the tree, my sister and I hung the ornaments, you know. Um, and then we had people come over, and everybody, you know, was like a big family, everybody helped. It's a lot of work, and then you know, you look at you and you look at me and go, Wow, single mom, you know, I have two kids, you have one kid, and you work full time, like. Something's got to give and the world's not going to fall apart because it does feel like it the first time it happens. Like if, when you don't create that, yes. that big event, you know, you feel like such a failure and, you know, you can't keep up and, you know, their kids are going to be upset. And, you know, the thing is, your experience is what you make of it. And I have had the just the worst Christmas trees. Like one of my Christmas trees was like yanked out of the garage at the last minute. Oh. It had like rat's nests in it. And I had to like clean oh it out and spray it with Lysol. You know, I was cleaning out all these little thing where they had their little babies in, in the bow. Oh, my gosh. Yep. trees. You know, <laughs> what are you going to do? And I got it up and I shoved a bunch of stuff in there and I shoved a bunch of lights in there. And it was like the ugliest tree ever. But then when it lit up and the presents were under it, it looked fine. But I must have beat myself up over that tree for like two hours. Like you should have oh gone to the, you know, bows and gotten a fresh one. And oh, who cares? Oh, so yes. You're right. Once you cover it with all the the trimmings and everything, you don't even really even see the tree anymore, right? So I, I totally agree with you. That's right. too funny. Now, 
Oh, wait, I got to take us to commercial break. We've got more of our, like, single mom, traveling mom, military mom, working mom uh, holiday stories when we come back from the break. This is Sandra Beck. I'm here with Mary Ottman. And we both give you permission to not drive yourself crazy as we enter into this holiday season. We don't have to look like a Norman Rockwell painting. We'll be back after the break. We've got lots more ahead. Stay with us on Military Mom Talk Radio. Would you like to know how to bring more ease to all the decisions you need to make in life? Knowing your core values is the first step in Joyce's free live masterclass. You'll discover your top five core values in as little as 45 minutes. Join her now at free gift from joyce.com book titled The Art of Doing Nothing by Veronica Vienne in our guest room by the bed. I'm telling you, this book is an impossible challenge. In the state of Maine, it's said that someone who bottoms chairs for a living is lazy, presumably because one's bottom is perpetually in the chair. To sozzle means to laze around or perform a task in a sloppy way. The word is mainly found in New England. A quote from 1848 describes the term as used by housekeepers in certain parts of Connecticut to refer to a lazy person. Other words for lazy people are abbey lubbers, scabberlatchers, and slaughter pooches. To me, the ultimate loblolly is someone who is too lazy to even fake like they're working. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. We're back with more great conversation on Military Mom Talk Radio. Sandra back here with Mary Ottman, and we are talking about how to survive the holidays. You know, it's a funny thing, Mary, because... You know, emotions run really high during the holidays. We all know this. And my brother married into this, like, huge Polish family. And they get along with my big Polish-German family. And everything is all great and wonderful 99% of the time. Uh, but when you uh, when you put a divorce in the mix, all of a sudden it gets weird. And I've watched this in my own household because we've got kind of the... The married couple that brings our family from 20 to 50 people (laughs) and everybody kind of works it out. And then you have the divorce side that could be 20 people to 50 people when you add blended families, steps and all that in. But because people can't get along, it becomes this big nightmare. And it's always interesting to me to go, well, a blended family is... A blended family, I get that, but there's also extended family issues, and I think, you know, 
there's a reason why my ex-husband and I are no longer married. You know, we couldn't get along to be married. So why would you expect it to be easy after? But don't you think that it's, it gets easier as time goes on. Those first couple years, I think, are really rough as everybody adjusts to the new normal. Yeah, I think those first years, um, I know I certainly did. You have the the guilt of, okay, because I, I'm the one who, who left. And it's like, okay, I, I have done this. I'm never going to be able to give my child a regular Christmas. Once you get divorced, you never go back, right? It's always going to be different. It's not to say it's bad or good. It's just different than, you know, a family that doesn't have divorce. Right. And so you do the first two years or first few years or however long it takes you to get adjusted. It's definitely different. Um, you know, and just filling your time and with things to do and finding exciting things. I, you know, I'll do crazy things like have a Groupon adventure day. And so we look on whatever the group on of the day is and go, oh, look, we're going to go get a manicure. And then, oh, look, we're going to get a massage or, and, you know, or whatever. We're going to go stand up paddle boarding. Obviously, that's not at Christmas time. But or maybe it could be in Austin where I am. Right. But, you know, where you just make things fun, they're going to be different. You may as well, you know, explore how wonderful that difference can be and have like a really crazy adventurous Christmas, you know, that they won't get. Now, I will say you know, so my family is not close. My Christmas, I, I don't, I don't do that. My grandparents have passed on. They raised me and I'm not close to my parents. And so, you know, my daughter's father, they have their traditional huge family blowout, right? On my side, it's just me. So you get into the, it's not like you're comparing, but you, in those first years, you're like, well, she's over there having all that regular. And then she comes over here and just looks at you like, okay, what are we doing? You know, <laughs> because she's little. She doesn't, you know, she didn't know. It's like, uh, okay, well, this isn't like grandmother's house. And this isn't like, you know, but, and that's okay. You know, at first it's not going to feel okay because it's different, but it becomes okay. And now, you know, she, um, her dad would say, well, you know, could she just stay over here longer? Cause you don't, He's actually said these where I don't think he meant them to be hurtful because we are amicable. But he's like, well, you know, you don't really have a family. So would it be OK if she stayed over here longer on Christmas? Well, that's I mean, I I see where he's coming from. But at the same time, she is my only family that I do Christmas with. So, no, <laughs> you can't. I would like to spend it with my family. She's my family. Christmas really doesn't start until she comes. And then, you know, it doesn't last nearly long enough, right? So, <clears throat> it's just different. You know, for example, my brother lived in Denver for a couple of years. And he's like, hey, y'all, to come out for Christmas, you know, this and spend a week. Well, when you're divorced, you can't do that, right? Because you're swapping kids out. So, everybody gets to see everybody else on Christmas. So, I couldn't go to Denver. So, I gave up the week in Denver in the snow with the evergreens and the beautiful trees and the scenery and traded it for being home by myself except for about four hours for a week, which I would yeah. gladly do again, right? Because it, I want to see my daughter at Christmas. But those are the kind of choices you end up having to make. And, and you know, I could have sat on the couch, you know, poor pitiful me. I could have been in Denver, you know, but... Okay, I'm gonna, I'm not I'm gonna keep it real with y'all. I did do that for maybe about thirty minutes. <laughs> but, 
I'm going to say there is a time and a place for that because I had the same thing. You know, when the kids go to their dads and he does this like gigantic blowout Christmas and then they come home, like when my mom was dying during this time period, um, I was really wiped out, Mary, Mm -hmm. and I couldn't. I couldn't summon enough energy to, and I didn't want to compete. And there were two of them and one of me and they had older children that I could all participate. So, you know, they would have these big, you know, blow out everything's. And then he would come home to me and, you know, it was so much better for me to like shut myself in the bathroom and have a good cry or lay down on my bed and have a good cry for like half an hour. You know, like I didn't wallow in it all day, but letting that come out, gave me the ability to like move on like if I was having to hold all that in all day I would be like weird and creepy when my kids got home so I would make sure I I journaled it out wrote it out called my you know cousin and talked it out or cried it out something to move from one state to the other because it is really painful it is it really really is and you know you add on top of that that you know if you're divorced kids end up getting about six sets of Christmas presents, right? Yes. All the different variations of grandparents. Um, my daughter even has a step-grandparent that does his own Christmas thing. And then, you know, so by the time, they usually would open their presents from us last, which was at two in the morning. They've they've gotten so much stuff by that point, literally, and this was a little frustrating for me, and we, we, we changed things up when this happened, like, three years in a row, they'd open the present and go, okay, hey, that's great, and just put it to the side. Well, that's not the ex- reaction you're looking for when you, you know, shop for just the perfect thing for your little pumpkin, right? So, on the one hand, you get it because they're getting, you know, present overload. They've gotten everything they want. It's late at night. They've been doing this, you know, all day. And the, the, the next point, I was, you know, look, this is, this is our Christmas. This isn't the experience I wanted to have where I'm just like a long end of uh, the end of an assembly line of gift handing out and okay. Yeah. Just another present. So what we did is we went to a, um, $200 a piece policy. There were four kids and they could spend it on a bunch of stuff or they could pick one, you know, technology items are usually about that much as they became teenagers, because they get so many presents, they don't even mean anything. So this way, you know, they could actually pick on something they really, pick something they really liked, and it would it would be meaningful then, you know. Because, my goodness, think about those lines at Christmas time. I'm not going to go stand in those horrible lines and then have a kid go, oh, yeah, that's nice, and just put it over to the side. Uh-uh. We, we, we battle. We are warriors for those presents. <laughs> oh, know? my gosh. I stayed up one night, like, um, the night after Thanksgiving, like, the, you know, the Black Friday, and yes. my one son wanted a Kindle, and it was a Kindle Fire or something like that. It was out of my price range. It was, like, 150 bucks, whatever. So I sat up for, like, six hours because you could wow. you could bid, you know, you could – could they were doing these giveaways and mm-hmm. it, at like four thirty in the morning, Mary, like they selected me Ooh. and they're like, your Kindle for nineteen ninety nine just shipping will be on its way and holy cow. Whooping it up and I, you know, <laughs> downstairs locked in my little closet because I didn't want anybody to know what I was doing. But that was such a big deal for me. And yes. then 
you know, they got one at their dad's house and, oh. you know, oh. you're just like, okay. I mean, it wasn't intentional. You know, the kids made lists. They told parents what they wanted and I don't know who over there got it, but, you know, he's like, oh, great. I, I already got one. Oh, uh, yeah. That's what exactly what I'm talking about. And you have <laughs> battled and just fought to get them exactly what they want and then poof. And then if you're divorced, you get into who takes theirs back. Right. Or, or in my case, it was, well, you can use this at mom's house or you can't use this at mom's house or, you know, this mm -hmm. stays here. And, you know, it does suck the joy out of a yes, lot of the holiday yes. stuff. Mm -hmm. So I have found in a lot of respects doing things like getting my kids passes to like, we live near magic mountain. There's a magic mountain about an hour away. So they can get an annual pass to go with their friends. And yeah, it's not great to open up a little card. That's a pass, mm -hmm. but that stays with them. It doesn't have to go back and forth to mom's house. If dad's going, you can use it. If mom's going, you can use it. And, um, you know, think that, and that's where like really going onto forums, listening to radio shows like this, talking to other divorced moms, you know, we used to have Christmas on one week, one Saturday, it was my house. And then Thursday it was at the dad's house. We didn't try to do present opening and all that stuff on the same day. Same thing with Thanksgiving dinner. You can't do them on the same day and certain holidays like Halloween, you got to split. That's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. And it's things, especially if your kids are small, cause you can't watch them go trick or treat. If they want to go with the new parent and the new spouse and yeah. their kids. So you're kind of left out. Um, you know, there's a lot of adjustments to make and the holidays are difficult on a good day, but there are yeah. lots of articles out there. There's lots of great ideas, great divorce hacks. You know, you can Google these things and get some good ideas because creating a new normal is so much better than trying to recreate what you had as a kid. I think that's just so stressful. I absolutely agree. And, and, you know, it's going to be different. So, just make it the the most joyous, different experience that you can, you know? I absolutely agree with that. You know, my daughter came up with a, a good, she, on her own, she started doing her own Christmas list for each parent and grandparent and putting different things on it. It worked great for us. That was a perfect thing. That is so smart. I mean, these are great ideas um, that we can do to help ease this holiday situation. Now, visiting today with Mary Ottman, and we are talking about hope for the holidays, how to survive, you know, some of these things, because we all go through it, whether you're, you're a blended family, you know, you might have recently gone back to work. I have a friend who's just gone back to work, and she's like, how on earth am I supposed to get the holidays done? Well, you're going to do it differently, and different doesn't have to mean less. I think we've got to really um, come to grips with the fact that different is just different and it doesn't have to mean that it's less and it could be better. We'll be back after the break with Sandra Beck and Mary Ottman. We've got lots more ahead. Stay with us on Military Mom Talk Radio.
close your eyes and imagine living your life without limits. Where would you go? Who would you meet? What would you do? During an Uncover Your Hidden Genius session, you will discover what's keeping you from living your life with purpose, passion, and fulfillment of your potential. You'll get a clear vision of the steps you need to take to uncover your hidden genius so that you can live a life without limits. Sessions can be done over the phone, Skype, or in person. Find out more at www.JoyceBufordEmpowers.com or by calling 903-287-0747. It's Merging Any emergency room nurse will tell you they receive some weird and wild calls. I used to be the night ER nurse at Hennepin County General Hospital in Minneapolis and remember getting a call from someone who was worried about if it mattered or not if their belly button was an innie or an outie. It doesn't matter, but if you're an outie, you are definitely the minority. Still, that's good news because you don't have to worry about a little problem that people with innies have. Pledge it. That's another word for belly button lint. Researchers say the color of the pledget in your belly button is related to the clothing you wear, just like the lint that collects in your clothes dryer. A friend of mine from the Philippines says they call it a chikachu. What do you call a person who's obsessed with their belly button? An amphiloxakite. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. We're back with more great conversation on Military Mom Talk Radio. Hey, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Mary Ottman, and we are talking about how to survive the holidays. And Mary, I live with my 84-year-old dad uh, most of the year. He lives with me, comes out from from Buffalo and, and enjoys the Southern California weather which is really a, a departure for him after spending 83 years in Buffalo and coming to Southern California wow. in his daughter's house. So, you know, he's had quite a bit to adjust to, um, you know, after the passing of my mom. Well, so how how did you guys adjust in, after your mother passed? Um, how How did he, did he come live with you immediately and... How did you guys navigate through those holidays? I know, you know, I actually know a few people that their their a parent has passed this year, and so that could be super helpful for them to Absolutely. hear. How, how did you do that? Absolutely. Well, the the first year, like, see, my mom died in September, so my dad was out here with me by October, November, the mm-hmm. first year, mm-hmm. and. You know, I will be honest, and this is a lot of people have shared with me. It's the same for them. Your parent is just in a fog. You know, they don't really know what to do, what to expect. And this is where you really transition very quickly from being child of a parent to parent of a parent. And I found it really helpful to... um prepare my mom's dishes the way that I could. You know, I'm not in her house. I'm not her. But I did try to, I made an extra special effort to put some of the holiday traditions in, you know, that were about my mom. And then I I actually would bring her up. And I know, like, 
it's that elephant in the room. You know, you set the table and there's there's like in our case, we were an even number of people. So all of a sudden now it became odd. So who sits on the table with three seats on one side and two on the other? So it was it felt really weird and awkward. So I just put a place for my mom and I put a little card on there and I said, mom. Um, because if you, depending on your belief system, you know, if you believe, you know, there's the hereafter or you believe people are reincarnated or you people believe people go to heaven. So we actually, I actually named my mom, grandma angel, because my kids were six and nine years old and the concept of death was really hard for them. Mm -hmm. And they, I didn't want them asking lots of questions that were painful to my dad, so, but yet I didn't want it to be this awkward, weird thing that we couldn't mention our mom. And so I would say, you know, oh, well, Grandma Angel's here and we're going to bless, you know, the dinner and, and, you know, and thank you, Grandma Angel, for coming, you know, to spend with us. And yes, it's make-believe and yes, it's it's not real, but pain is so intense at the holidays that when your loved one isn't physically with you, it's almost a relief to even just pretend a little bit if you're not believing that they're actually there. Because there's like three sets of grief at the table, Mary. You've got my dad who feels this just profound soul-crushing grief. Mm -hmm. Then you have little ones that feel child grief they don't understand what happened to grandma you know they grandma just disappeared and and so you've kind of got that thing going on and then you might have your siblings who are handling their grief in their own way and then you have your own yes so I actually took this from a practice that my my ex uh family my my former family that I was married to they had Elijah come to dinner in the Jewish tradition and they would put a seat for him so I thought well oh how cool put a seat and I put a little thing, a little card in there. It looked like a little angel. And that was, you know, grandma angel. And, um, everybody needs a chance to talk about their feelings. And I had to set the stage with my kids and I, I was very upfront with them. I said, you know, Christmas is coming tomorrow and it's going to be hard with grandma gone. And, you know, grandma angel is still with us, but if they play Christmas carols in church and you see grandpa cry or mommy cry or uncle dog or uncle Steve or aunt Sue, it's just cause they're sad and you don't have to be scared. It's normal. It's like sometimes you're scared or sad and you cry. So putting it right out there for them, I think took some of that mystery out of it. And then, and it was cute because I was cooking my mom's, one of my mom's recipes and I really missed her. And I, the tears just, it was like somebody like turned a faucet on by my eyebrow. They were just pouring out of me. And my little one who was only six, he put his arm around me. He goes, you miss grandma, don't you? And I said, yes, I do. And it was so simple because the kids will accept it. As you tell them, if grandpa's sad and they see grandpa cry, it's okay. That's normal. That's what happens after somebody dies. That that alone got rid of a lot of the weirdness. That is, um, okay, so you get mom of the year award for oh. sure. <laughs> I have never heard of that as being a solution. And that's absolutely perfect because, like you were saying, everybody needs the chance to express their feelings. And, you know... I didn't grow up in, a, in an expressive family, 
And it took me doing work on myself much, much, much later to realize that you can't, if you try to ignore the feelings or just not think about the feelings and block the feelings, they're still there and you're going to, they're going to affect you in other ways. And, and I think that's so healthy that you were that, um, face to your kids too, where you can actually talk about things, you know, and you know, grandma's not here anymore and that makes us really sad. And if, you know, cause, cause tears to those little ones are, are scary, right? Like, Whoa, what's, what's wrong with mom? You know, mom always is, is a happy person, you know? Um, but you know, it's just important to recognize those feelings and, and it's such a great role model you've been to them to let them know that it's okay to talk about things like that. Because, you know, a lot of people, when somebody dies, feel very awkward. Like, what do I say? Do we, do we talk about, do, how do we have a, you know, they just, you know, soldier on and try to have a normal Christmas. Well, it's not normal. You're missing, you're missing someone. So it's just different, right? That's powerful that you set that place at the table. I love that. Well, and I figured, you know, we kind of, you know, the concept of Santa and Rudolph and, you know, all this stuff that we talk about is imaginary play anyway. So what's adding one more angel to the table? You know, I, I, you know, we don't have to get into, you know, huge philosophical discussions. And the other thing I did is I purposefully steered the conversation. I brought up grandma at the table because everybody was thinking it, you know, it's not like, you know, everybody's thinking of it, but I brought up fun grandma memories. I brought up fun memories of my mom so that, you know, it wasn't morbid and it was very hard for all of us to talk about my mom without getting really emotional that first Christmas. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that was okay. You know, nobody was falling apart. Nobody was, was, but it had to be addressed because it's, you know, it's just, it's just so obvious and everybody's thinking it. So if you bring it up in a way that's really kind of neutral or uplifting, like a funny, kind mom story, Mm -hmm. then it allows everybody to just kind of take a breath because you're all sitting there waiting, you know, nobody wants to say anything that's going to make grandpa cry or nobody wants to, you know, it's, it's, it's really awkward and you can feel it. So when I brought it up, you could just kind of feel like, okay, some of the air is let out of the balloon tension in the room. That is so great. Absolutely great. And, you know, thinking about elderly parents too, when, as, um, you know, like my, so my grandparents raised me. I talked about that. My grandmother passed away many, many years ago. But my grandfather, so you know, I would go to his house. He lived about forty-five minutes away, and and do Christmas with him. But then, as you get into your divorce situation, and you got all these different events, I think that's another thing you can do is try to get to combine some of them. And so, what I would do is. Um, get my grandfather, he would drive to my house, we would have our little private Christmas right there, but then my husband's sister had the big Christmas event, because her, she already had grandchildren, they had a big thing, and they would invite us, and have this huge tree, and we'd sing Christmas carols, and she had eggnog, and we'd play games, it was just really, really fun, so we'd do the, the small little private moment, and then we'd all go over, and even, and bring, bring Pawpaw, that's what we called him, Pawpaw, and so everybody on, in his family started calling him Pawpaw, is Pawpaw coming to Christmas, you know, so, um, I think, 
that's another thing you can do is try to combine events. It's really helpful. And you can spend more time with everybody that way. Well, yeah. And and you can cancel events. Like this is the thing you can, you can cancel the holiday altogether. Cause this is one thing that most people don't, don't think about at the time. If you don't feel you can handle yourself or keep it together for Christmas. I mean, I know if you have kids, it's much different. It's harder to do that, but you don't have to. Christmas will come again next year. Hanukkah will come. New Year's will come. You know, all these things will come again next year. So if you, if it's not something, you know, like my grandfather died like December 15th mm-hmm. one year. And, you know, there were family members who were like, you know what, we're, we're not, we're not going to come to Christmas dinner. Hey, that's okay. Like, yes. It's a holiday, and I get it's important, and it's important for for people to recognize it, but there's no written rule that says we have to have this on this day, and if Christmas needs to be moved to January because of other things, well, isn't the point that we celebrate, that we honor, that we show respect, that we do these things, is it really that important that it happens on the 25th or the 23rd of December? I mean, for crying out loud, Thanksgiving changes every year. It's not even on the same day, the third Thursday. So if you deconstruct some of these things logically and you think about the 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 hospital workers you think about the firemen and the first responders and the police who all have to work on christmas day i think kind of putting it out there that the world is not going to fall apart because your christmas is this saturday and his christmas is next saturday like sit down with the kids and write a letter to santa and arrange it you know that's the beauty of a lot of this stuff is is we as the adults get to make it up as we go along and it's when we get very, very emotional that it's hard to make these choices and decisions and to see things clearly for what they are. I'm here today with Mary Ottman, and we are talking about ways to survive the holidays, whether it's because you lost a loved one, you've got you know, divorces, blended families, you might have deployments. There's so many things that happen um, within the family environment and allowing yourself the freedom to make it up as you go along or cancel a holiday, it's really okay. They will come around next year and most people won't even remember that you canceled the holiday and you don't have to beat yourself up about it. That's one of the things that we're here to validate, comfort, and support you during this holiday season. hear from you check us out at militarymomtalkradio.com or find us on twitter and facebook our shows are available on itunes anytime from 0 hundred hours to 23.59 for now stay right where you are there's more military mom talk radio after these messages close your eyes and imagine living your life without limits where would you go Who would you meet? What would you do? During an Uncover Your Hidden Genius session, you will discover what's keeping you from living your life with purpose, passion, and fulfillment of your potential. You'll get a clear vision of the steps you need to take to uncover your hidden genius so that you can live a life without limits. Sessions can be done over the phone, Skype, or in person. 
Find out more at www.JoyceBufordEmpowers.com or by calling 903-287-0747. first began carrying passengers, everyone was treated to first-class accommodations. Caviar and sandwiches were presented on porcelain plates with beverages served in crystal. Flying was truly a special event as passengers wore suits and evening dresses. What do you call a person who is afraid to fly? An aeroacrophobic. The airlines required stewardesses to be unmarried, and many were nurses as well. To be a pilot was respected and revered. What do you call a person who chooses a career based on the glamorous image it conveys? A MODOC. A typical flight in those days from London to Singapore would cost over $17,000 today and take eight days. What's another word for jet lag? Dysrhythmia. It's marching day. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. We're back with more great conversation on Military Mom Talk Radio. This is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Mary Ottman, and we are talking about how to survive the holidays. And we've talked a lot about divorce and and blended families and restructuring, and we talked about losing a parent. And I have a lot of experience um, with this because one of my very best friends in the entire world lost her son at four years old to childhood cancer, which is why we jointly formed Childhood Cancer Talk Radio. So Janet and I would talk a lot about grief and the holidays and, you know, how to get through them. And the year that my mom died, Mary, I've done Toys for Tots events in my home or at different venues for 25 years, and I've raised, you know, over 50,000 toys for needy kids. It's a big part of what I do. It's always been part of what I do. But that year that my mom passed on, you know, she died in September. I couldn't get it together. I couldn't get the tree up. I couldn't, I I just, I couldn't get it together, Mary. And I hired a babysitter to wrap the presents. I hired another babysitter to help put the decorations up. But you know, there was like no heart in it. And I, I just didn't have it in me to throw this big, joyful event. And I felt so guilty because I thought of all the kids, you know, that wouldn't get toys this year, really beat myself up. And so I ended up just saying, you know what, I'm just going to do a little get together um, at my house. I'm not doing a big event. I'm not inviting the whole community. It's not an open house. And the most amazing thing happened because I had this little open house and people were walking in with bags of toys you know usually (laughs) yeah they come in with one or two toys and you know I asked my friends I'm like what do you guys where did you guys get all these toys and they're like oh well we collected them because we figured you know you weren't you know you're having a hard time and we still wanted the kids to have toys well we had as many if not more toys in my living room you know they were knee deep you know you know through this big 20 foot living room just piles and piles of toys and if you go on my Facebook or Military Mom Talk Radio Facebook page or Coach Talk Radio, any of my radio pages, you'll see these this big haul that we do every year, Mary. Huh. And, you know, it didn't look like what I would expect it to do. And I did cancel, like, all of the holiday stuff I didn't want to go to. I canceled it, and I, I canceled my big party, and I only had a little, you know, get-together with friends. But 
it all worked out magically and beautifully. And I realized that it's okay to, it's okay to say no to some things for just the sheer reason that you can't do it. And I think that's really key um, to, to really point out is that you leaned on your friends in your time of need where you needed that support. And, you know, a lot, sometimes people won't ask for help and, and lean on people, but knowing that that was a passion close to your heart and that you couldn't do that. That's amazing that your friends stepped in like that and, and helped you accomplish your, your calling. I know you've said that's your, that's your passion and your calling. So, 50,000 toys. That is amazing. Wow. It's, <laughs> yeah, cow. well, I didn't do it alone, and I did it with a lot of people. And it started because I, you know, moved to Los Angeles, and everybody had so much money, and my friends were giving me these expensive gifts, you know, $400 purse, a $250 this, and I'm like, I don't need all this, and I appreciate it. You know, let's go buy some toys. And so... Um, you know, we were able to, to translate that into something, you know, people were a little weird at first, I'll be honest. But then all of a sudden when I had my own kids and I saw my kids get so much stuff, like I siphon off their birthday presents and I ask all my friends and family to siphon off the birthday presents or the Christmas presents that, you know, your kids aren't going to use, or maybe they're going to open it up and play with it once and then it'll just collect dust. So, so separate those out, let them keep what they really want and really like and then put the rest in a garbage bag and stick it in the closet and donate it for toys for tots i mean it is one of the most simple magical things you can do or the fireman's fund or you know any number of these these places that you know where your kid gets 20 toys and you know we've got kids getting none um and i think it's all about a shift and one of the things that i learned from janet uh the host of childhood cancer talk radio was we make this angel tree at our events and we put the names of of kids who have passed on that year for childhood cancer and you know we have an angel tree and all our kids get their you know they we have kids cut out the angels and fold them you know how you have to roll them and staple them so their arms hold and you know, yeah. you put a hook through their head, draw a face on them, and the kids get to decorate the angels for the angel tree. But we do, we have made an ornament for my relatives who have passed. And we simply go to any one of the craft stores. You buy one of those little ceramic, like a star or a heart. And I had my kids draw them with Sharpies. So we have grandma up there. We have a grandpa up there. We've got a papa up there. We've got an uncle Aww. up there. And they're drawn by my kids. And sometimes I'll stick glitter on it, like, you know, just to have fun. But, you know, it's funny because your kids make you ornaments at school and you cherish them. That's right. Mm-hmm. I will tell you, you will cherish these these little things with a ribbon tied on it. You know, they're 99 cents for a little ceramic ornament. And you decorate it and you put it on the tree. And it just takes the edge off some of the loss i won't say it replaces it but they're there they're there on the tree they're there with you they're there at the table if you want to put grandma angel at the table um incorporating things that they loved is really really important in cherishing those memories and and having that feeling that they're still with us and i know you have an orange slice story i do um so growing up my grandmother loved that those orange slice uh, little candies that are rolled in sugar. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, 
But um, you, I believe Brock's, B-R-A-C-H-S, has them hanging in the little candy section. But, you know, as I was growing up, I was a Hershey bar kid, right? So I was like, oh, gross, the orange slice candies. But that's all she ever ate. Well, once she passed away, I was actually pregnant with my only child when she passed away. So it was, you know, that's pretty traumatic. And so, but I was going through the Hallmark store, and I've never seen one before or since. But that Christmas... I passed by the ornament display and there was one of an orange slice and it was, I was like, Oh, that's, that's my grandmother. I had to have it. And so every year now when I pull out the ornaments, it's just, it, it pulls you close to that person again. They don't feel so far away. Right. When you're holding that in your hand and it, and it reminds you of them and it, you know, it's that moment you can, you know, my daughter's sitting there. We can talk about stories about my grandmother. And it's just such a cool thing to to decorate the tree and, and honor those people that aren't with us anymore. It's it's a time to remember and cherish those memories, right? It is. And it's, you know, when you look around, and this is the one thing that, like, with your orange slices, like, after my mom passed, I swear that she was leaving little things around for me that, that, you know, made me wonder, like, is she, uh, still with us? Is she still here? You know, we're not getting into any religious discussion here, but like your orange slices, like what is the odds that that orange slice would be in an ornament waiting for you? And you haven't seen it since. Uh, Exactly. Exactly. And, and I, every year I go looking to, for the special ornament I'm going to put on the tree so, and I have never seen one before or since, but I'm telling you, that was, it was a really, um, comforting, it's amazing how objects like that can have so much emotion tied to them. You know, it's just really a comforting thing. And I know one time I moved and I lost my boxes of ornaments and I was just destroyed, you know, the, the handmade ones by my daughter, it actually turned up, but it took a couple of years. So, you know, I'd grieve every year when I'm pulling the ornaments out that I didn't have the handmade ones in my orange slice, but then I found it again. It was like, you know, it's the little things that matter. It's, it's things like that, that really touch you. I can leave all the furniture and the TVs and everything else, but man, if I lose that, that, that hurts, you know? Well, and that's, that's it. I mean, and that's why, you know, like when we make these little paper angels, you know, for the kids who have passed and, you know, or we make these little ornaments, it's really there in loving memory of. Mm-hmm. That's right. It doesn't take much. You know, you can take a paper plate and cut it up and make a little angel out of it or make a little star out of it. And your, you know, toddler can decorate it or your, you know, can decorate for somebody who they don't even have to be dead. They could be deployed. They could be, you know, living overseas. They could be anywhere. That's um, right. And and it can be for anything. Like in my household, the dogs are like part of the family, Mary. I mean, I've had like Mine 10 too. Dogs. In my lifetime, and when they pass, it's our tradition to take one of those little red and white stockings, and we make their name in glitter glue. So, you know, say Smokey, Misty, you know, Bailey, Uppy, Snowy, and they they all have their stockings. And every year when I open them up, I wrap them in tissue paper. And they're just, again, little dollar stockings. They're not... It's not for anyone else for but for me and the kids to hang up and then we tell funny stories about how Bailey used to eat bees or you know <laughs> Sally used to just eat the head off a bird and give me the body and and you know dogs are funny or or 
Pokey, my one dog, was so fat, even though we put her on a diet, she went out in the garden and ate snails. Oh, my word. (laughs) So, you know, whatever's meaningful or important to you, like, I love when we bring out, like, you can hear me. This, you know, Misty and Smokey died 15 years ago, and yet... Just that little stocking coming out brings back all these memories, brings me so much joy. It's a dollar stocking with some silver glitter and glue. Like, it's yes. it's whatever makes you happy. Exactly. I think that's brilliant, you know, because I was grew up a cat person, but I have a dog now that, I mean, it, it he is my, I actually have my daughter's picture and his picture on the wall. I tell him <laughs> that's her brother, you know. But they, they're part of the family. I think that's brilliant, your stocking idea. Because they give us so much joy, right? It's really nice to go back and think about the neat things that that your pets did. I love that idea. Well, it's just a memory. You know, it's a memory for me. And if, you know, and what's great is if the stockings ever got burned up in a fire or got lost, I could go out and buy, you know, eight more stockings and sit down with my glitter glue. And maybe I'd use gold this time instead of silver. But, you know, it's it's about making yourself happy, making your family happy, not trying to live up to all the glossy images we see in magazines, newspapers, television, and social media. So Mary, I had a great time with you on the show today. I wish you the best in the holiday season. And I hope that all of our listeners walk away with permission from both of us to just enjoy. Just enjoy, create an experience for your family. What Thank you. My Mary Ottman quote. What experience do I want to provide this holiday season? Like that's some really rockin' languaging. We're here today with Mary Ottman and Sandra Beck. We will be back again next week with another episode on how to survive the holidays, or in this case, what experience do I want to provide this holiday season? For Mary Ottman and Sandra Beck, I wish you all the best. Thanks for tuning in to Military Mom Talk Radio. Want more information? Check us out at MilitaryMomTalkRadio.com or find us on iTunes for more than 200 free episodes. Drop us an email or find us on Facebook. We are looking forward to another great discussion. We hope you'll join us on Military Mom 